Hey guys, welcome to Content People. I am your host, Meredith Farley. Ian, thank you so much for coming on Content People. I was so excited to have you and I'm happy to get to have this combo today. For folks who might not know you, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Hi, everyone. I'm Ian Michael Crum. I'm a licensed esthetician, formerly fashion blogger. So I say fashion blogger turned esthetician. But for all my friends, you can just call me Ian. Ian Michael Crum's my internet name. <laughs> and I also host a podcast with Dr. Elise Love called Beauty Curious, which we launched this year, I mix being a content creator with being a licensed esthetician now and being a podcaster. I love the Beauty Curious podcast. I'm super excited to dig into that a little bit later. But you just have such an interesting creative career, esthetician, content creator, podcaster. I think there's a lot for our audience to learn from the work you're doing. But first, I'm really curious what inspired you to get into the beauty and skincare space. You know, as soon as my hair would get a little long, I'd be like, mom, I need a haircut. Or I'd always ask her to, you know, go to the nail salon with her and ask if I could get a pedicure. I just was started getting very into beauty from a young age. And I think that was inspired by seeing my mom get her hair dyed and her nails done and all the things. And um, so from a young age, I was into it. I remember at some point I asked for one of those mannequin heads that students in beauty school have that they, you can take the faces off of and do makeup looks on them. So I would play with experimenting with makeup on this little mannequin head my mom bought me. And when I got to high school, I had mild acne, nothing crazy, but I had some mild acne and um, I had a few milia, which I didn't know what Amelia was <laughs> at the time, which anyone listening, it's basically just hardened dead skin cells that are like white bumps, different than a whitehead, but you have to have them extracted. So I ended up at a dermatologist and had those extracted and then they suggested a mild chemical peel. So I did that in high school and that was this hook of, oh, this is really cool. And I started getting more into skin. I had always been into products, but reading about the skin and early on in high school, I started planning, thinking that I was going to go pre-med when I went to college. So I was taking AP Calc and AP Biology and these classes thinking I was going to become a derm eventually because I got so into skincare. And then a conversation with my aunt made me decide that, okay, I love skin and the idea of taking care of skin, but I'm a little all over the place. I don't like to sit still. And I'm like, if I have to become a doctor and be in the same office every day, I'm going to go crazy. Now, obviously with the internet, there's dermatologists that almost do content full time and it's completely yeah. changed from 15 years ago. But anyway, so I didn't end up doing that, but I've just always gravitated towards the space. So I started blogging, I blogged all throughout college and then shifted from being more of a fashion lifestyle blogger to beauty content. And then realized, oh, you know, maybe I should become an esthetician. It's not a dermatologist, but it's the more fun, sexy side of skincare. And 
um, then I went and got my license and that's how I'm, that, that's the fast version of how I got to where I'm at. I love it. Although honestly, I'd take the slow version. Interesting. <laughs> okay, so interesting. Okay. So to go way back, I'm just, I was so curious when you were talking, do you have a very first beauty memory? A first beauty memory. Ooh, definitely when I was younger, seeing my mom get her hair like dyed highlights, all those different things. I asked if I could go to the hair salon with her and she would let me like experiment with hair color and have the colorist like do your hair, do my hair. So at some point I had skunk style highlights, like it was crazy. And then I asked for red hair at one point, but it turned out looking pink. So I started just playing around from a young age and Thanks to my mother, she allowed me to do so and and funded those treatments. (laughs) And I also, I guess another early beauty memory in middle school, high school, I personally would always be pretty meticulous about grooming my eyebrows and looking back at photos. I think I went a little too far for my personal taste now. Too much pluck. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, not 90s eyebrows, but veering on uh, but all my girlfriends noticed how groomed my eyebrows were and I also I would groom them and then I would fill them in a bit and I basically convinced all my girlfriends in middle school high school to start filling in their eyebrows before like people really in the late 2010s how do you say that 20 in like yeah but like, yeah, like the 2010s we i feel like eyebrows really eyebrow. yeah yeah before eyebrows really came back like big and bushy and i convinced all my girlfriends you should really fill in your brows it frames your face and so they would all ask me to tweeze their eyebrows and then i would show them how i filled in mine and then they all started filling in their eyebrows it was so cute <laughs> <laughs> for the record for anyone listening ian has really good eyebrows to, <laughs> to this day. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't pluck, I, from all the plucking, like they just look like this now. I barely ever touch them. So Honestly, mine too. I used to get mine waxed when I was like in high school and it wasn't like all gone, but definitely I think they're thinner than they would be if I hadn't done that. So I don't do anything now except fill them in. Yep. Yep. But when you were talking about it, it I feel like when you were talking about it, unlocked my very first beauty memory, which was my grandma taking me to the nail salon to get my nails done when I was like four or five. And I remember I got like this pearly white um, color that still to this day I find like comforting. It's funny, those like early beauty sensorial memories, I think really like yeah, stick cool. with us. Totally. Another beauty, this is fragrance, but my grandmother always wore this vanilla body oil from Bath and Body Shop were about the oh the body okay. shop which yeah, yeah. they just had discontinued it but they discontinued it a long time ago but I just any time she she still has a teeny teeny bit in this one bottle and I'm going to ask like a, a beauty friend if they can somehow construct and recreate <sighs> this scent because she's obsessed with it and every time I smell it I have flashbacks to being a child because I'm it's such a just fragrances really unlocks your memory and anytime I she wears it I'm like you're wearing the vanilla she's yeah <laughs> so she, she wears it on special occasions so that's another early beauty memory 
Oh man, I love that. And what an amazing gift for someone to recreate your favorite discontinued perfume. Like that's I know if anyone listening is able to do that, please contact me. I need to figure this out. (laughs) Slide into his DMs. It's for a good cause. Um, Yes, yes. All right. We all know celebs are getting really great skin treatments, and I know you do a lot of celebs. Can you give us a little peek behind the curtain? What is a luxe celeb level esthetician experience or treatment like? What's the process feel like? Yeah, so I mean, it definitely depends on timing as all facials do. Like I love giving mini peels to people, but that's not something that's happening the day of like a major event. And a lot of times speaking about celeb aesthetics, it's like what's happening right before, you know, a red carpet or a movie premiere, et cetera. So, I mean, there's tons of amazing lasers, microneedling, things that all the celebs are doing, but a true like right before event red carpet treatment is all about lymphatic massage Mm. and like sculpting the face, draining the face of any buildup fluids. A lot of times someone's flying to go to like a film festival or some sort of screening and flying naturally bloats you. So getting some sort of lymphatic facial massage post-flight is great to make sure you look snatched as we like to say so um, my treatments a lot of times are very massage heavy i like to use different cryo techniques like cryo wands Uh, i also use some ems in my signature facial which is electronic muscle stimulation think of like a a new face device Mm -hmm. i have a device called the pure lift which stimulates the muscle so when you use it you feel your face twitching and it helps tighten the muscle and lift the face. So it gives a temporary effect, but then with repeated use, it's essentially like working your face out. So I always try to get clients using devices like that on a regular basis. And then obviously in my treatments, it's like at least a 20 minute massage, doing a lot of hydration. It's it's a lot of hydration as well. If you think someone's either getting this the day before or maybe the morning of a big event and then later in the day going into hair and makeup for an appearance so hydration is massage and hydration are the two biggest things any sort of super hydrating sheet mask moisture mask i normally end up doing multiple masks and serums and leave them super dewy because normally the makeup artist will reset the skin but i like to make sure it's basically drenched with hydration before they're going to get that additional glam so like day of nothing abrasive you're just you're massaging you're draining you're lifting and you're moisturizing and yeah yeah nothing abrasive and i think a lot of people love to pick and prod and if you need to extract something, you really got to do it with enough time to let your skin heal. I actually, this wasn't for a celeb treatment, but recently the other week met a bride who was getting married in two weeks and I tried getting her to go in to get some milli extracted. And it was just basically the timing was too tight with wow. her schedule and her wedding and getting them extracted. But you really have to be careful with doing things that are going to cause inflammation within the skin because then it'll show as redness or whatnot. So yeah, celeb treatments pre-event are super heavy on hydration, muscle sculpting, and 
lymphatic drainage. So lymphatic drainage and muscle sculpting different, like muscle stimulating the muscles, lifting them like like a workout. And then lymphatic drainage is a bit softer and going through the lymph passages of the face to actually drain lymph fluid that is built up, which a lot of times happens if you drink a lot or from flying. So it's basically those three main things. I read, do you know Gracie Norton? She's big on TikTok and Instagram. She's. I'm no. better with faith. Is she another esthetician? I don't know, but she's like health, wellness, hormone balancing. Oh, I maybe. really like her, but she she talks a lot about facial massage for like lymphatic drainage. I do that almost every day, but I'm wondering for folks who are not celebs, who cannot go to see you, is there anyone who's, you're like, look, if you need to learn how to massage your face, go watch this video. I really like Patricia San Pedro, who I believe she's based in Miami, but she does a lot of facial videos, facial massage videos, other beauty treatments. So yeah, I like her. And she's also actually an esthetician as well. Oh, cool. Nice. So is there anything happening right now in the beauty skincare space that you think is especially exciting ingredient product or device that you think is going to start to blow up a little bit? Ooh, I think exosomes are really going to take a forefront. So essentially an exosome, it helps with cellular communication in the, in the body, but specifically speaking to the skin, they're really not in a ton of products that, and a lot of people haven't talked about them very much. A friend of mine, Pietro Simone is a esthetician between here and London. And I know he's been speaking about them more and doing specific treatments. They can be on the quite pricey side. So I think there's going to be some innovation coming there that gets the cost down, but there are some other products that I can't actually say what they are, but I know that they're coming out in the new year. So I think exosomes are definitely going to take a forefront. And then there's been a lot of just innovation overall in devices that you can get at, say, a dermatologist's office, whether it's like a new form of microneedling. Morpheus 8 has taken the forefront in terms of PR and what's broadcasted, but there's a bunch of other microneedling devices that are hitting the market that are great. There's a newer acne laser Abiclear from Kutera, which has shown amazing results for someone who's really struggles with acne and as a different therapy instead of putting someone on Accutane. So I think they'll continue to be more devices hit the market. This is blending into predicting trend, but exosomes for sure in terms of ingredients and then look out for microneedling devices that are being enhanced and improved in terms of RF and and how they disperse heat within the skin when it's punctured and some additional lasers. Sorry, that was a long-winded answer. There's no, a lot super- there's a lot to unpack within the beauty space and it's sometimes I'm like I hope I know what's hitting the market but there's just so many launches all the time that it does take a lot to be well read up on everything. Yeah. Or what's your skin routine right now? What are you using and really liking? So this is where I say, do as I say, not as I do. 
I'm definitely switching up my routine more than I would ever tell anyone to switch up their routine. So I'll probably, I'm just going to call it some products that I love because it's hard to say this is my routine I use every day. Cleansers, I feel like I, the most comfortable switching faster and trying just because it's, you wash it on your face, you wash it off. I normally trying mostly all gentle cleansers and most cleansers nowadays have amazing formulations and don't really strip the skin as they did 10, 15 years ago. So I use a lot of gel cleansers, foaming cleansers. I looked at my shower this morning and I, as I mentioned, I do get PR. So I think I have 25 cleansers in my shower. So it it depends on the day, but I love the sensorial sensation of washing my face. So I definitely always wash my face with two different cleansers in the shower, make sure I'm super clean. There's this pH balancing, basically like serum gel from a brand called Cat Berkey that I love. So it works to balance. It's not really a toner. It's more of an essence, but it essentially is meant to balance the pH of the skin before you put on another serum moisturizer. That product I've really been using a lot and I feel like it's making my skin look great. What else do I like? There's a exfoliating mask from Jordan Samuel Skin. It's a mandelic exfoliating mask. So mandelic acid is on the heavier side in terms of molecular weight. So it's more of a surface exfoliation. It's more gentle than like a BHA or an AHA. So I really like mandelic acid for sensitive skin types. And he makes a really easy to use gel mask that you just wipe on and easily wipe off for a a gentle exfoliation. I'm all about SPF. I'm always talking about sun safety, skin protection. So I'm a big L to MD stan. I do work with them a lot to be fully transparent and disclose, but I use UV clear mm. almost every day. There's also a sunscreen from Live Tinted, which is an influencer back skincare brand. It's on the newer side. They have a SPF called Hugard, which has a, it's almost like a peachy orange tone. So it's like a universal tint for all skin tones, but That's a beautiful mineral formulation that blends in really well. I really like that product. I also work with a brand called Beautystat, founded by cosmetic chemist Ron Robinson. I adore him. He has a really amazing vitamin C product, so I use that pretty frequently. And then moisturizers as well. I feel like that's a product I feel more confident kind of swapping faster than like certain serums. I also have a lot of different moisturizers in my cabinet. I have one from Skin Fix, the triple lipid barrier. The barrier plus triple lipid peptide cream is one I go back to all the time. I have the vitamin C cream from Kat Berkey. I could sit here and tell you products I love for five hours and I'm sure people will get bored and tune out, but those are some of my top ones. If I, if I'm advising on skincare routine, I always say in the morning, make sure you're washing your face, getting off like any excess product from the night before. A single cleanse is fine. Make sure you're using some sort of antioxidant serum to help with sun protection, vitamin C. There's a bunch of other antioxidants. You could do a melon serum. There's one from Meaningful Beauty, Cindy Crawford, that is great and very OG product. Then sunscreen, some hydration with the moisturizer and SPF, obviously. And then at night, I always advise a double cleanse, getting any makeup sunscreen off, and then a second cleanse to really cleanse your skin using some sort of toner, pH balancer, like the Cat Berkey one I mentioned. 
And then you can go into different serums, whatever that may be, treatment serum. And then I like to use it. It's winter now, so I like to use a really thick moisturizer. I have pretty dry skin. So I normally layer up two layers of moisturizer. Um, but definitely always antioxidant and sunscreen during the day and double cleansing at night, key steps. Good practical advice. I like it. Thank you. I could listen <laughs> to you talk about that stuff for hours. <laughs> well, we I, maybe do a, we'll have to do a, a episode on my podcast or something and just go all, all in on all the products. <laughs> yes, totally. I'll have to walk you through my routine and you can like smash or pass everything that I use. I'd love that. Are you at least using sunscreen every day? Fingers crossed. Of course. Yes, of course. Okay. I won't Good. go into all my details, but I've got a robust routine. Okay. Good. I'd love to I'd love to hear it at some point. All right, but let's yeah, let's talk about the Beauty Curious podcast. So it's with Dr. Elise Love, a board certified dermatologist. I love listening to it. I think you guys have such a nice easy banter, but you also it's they're quick and they're full of awesome advice. Can you tell us a little bit about it? How did it come about? Just various events and started hanging out and last fall or wait, this is coming on and then in the fall of 22, she approached me and was like, will you launch a podcast with me? And I'm very used to concocting ideas and pitching people. So the fact that she pitched me, and was like, hey, do you want to do a podcast? I said yes, instantly. And then we talked about it more and decided, yeah, we really want to do this. So we started early. We started planning January of 23 and got the pieces together. We landed on wanting to launch in May of last year because it's May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month. I speak a lot about skin cancer prevention and awareness, and so does she at being a dermatologist. So it aligned, hey, let's launch and do something really impactful. So our launch episode, we did all about melanoma, explaining what is melanoma, how do you spot it, how do you work to prevent it, how do you protect your skin? So that was our launch episode. And yeah, we basically think through every episode, like a university class or a university course might be a better way to classify it. So when you listen to an episode, it's intentionally the start is every episode is about a specific topic. So melanoma, we did an episode about hair and how it's structured. We did an episode about LED light and explaining what is LED light. So the start of every episode is meant to be like that topic for dummies or that topic for just the novice, someone who's just getting into it. If you don't know what LED light is, like here's the 411, here's the top level information. And then about 10 minutes in, we take you to like the 201 class where we start getting a little bit deeper. And by the end of it, we always encourage our guest or we, if it's an episode just between the two of us, then we are, we always encourage to like nerd out at the end. And it's if there's clinical data or heavier information, we're like, let's really go there. So we hope anyone listening, even if you didn't know the topic, you get the basics throughout the beginning and then a little bit more in the middle. And then by the end, hopefully you feel like an expert yourself and the whole point of the podcast is really just to empower the listener to make an informed decision on themselves. We are working with very select brands in terms of partnering and supporting the podcast, but every time we do an episode, it has to be an educational episode that's a specific topic that we think is going to benefit the listener. So we will mention products and get into 
and get into kind of the nitty gritty of a product, but it's definitely at the end of episodes and it's after we educate around that topic that it relates to. So for instance, we partnered with K18, which is a hair brand and they have a proprietary, the K18 molecule that helps with restoring the strength of hair, damaged hair. We had their head scientists come on and basically explain what is hair, like how's hair built up, how does hair get damaged? How could you prevent damage naturally in terms of just not doing certain things to your hair? And then if you do have damaged hair, how can you fix that? And then we go in and we speak about their product, but it's all centered around educating about like, why do these things happen to us, whether it's our skin, hair, nails, and how can we address a concern via preventative measures and rigorous, rigorously tested products. I do think it's so cool how you guys are so thoughtful in the way that you structure the episodes. I think so much work on the back end from you two leads to a really light lift as a listener. I'll say that because you're the way you guys explain it and you walk everyone through it, it's really accessible. And I'd say for anyone who's interested in beauty, but maybe feels like jumping into some of the deeper podcasts is like a bit much. You guys are such an awesome resource and starting place. I really like it a lot. Thank you. Hey guys, interrupting this interview for 10 seconds to talk about Medberry. Medberry is a social media agency that I founded in 2023 and we produced this podcast. Our promise is pretty simple. We create social media strategies that really, really work. We offer LinkedIn, Instagram, and newsletter management for founders, execs, entrepreneurs, public figures, and brands. Our clients often see significant results within just a few weeks of us working together. We're fun to work with, and we'd love to help you. You can check out our website, sign up for our newsletter, or shoot us an email. Everything's in the show notes. Okay, back to the interview. Um, it's very, it's definitely very, it's definitely very difficult and it's so a a lot of our listeners are marketers or content creators. I'm sure they'll be interested in some of that behind the scenes on the podcast. And I always want to be pulling out tips around content creation. I feel like I'd be so remiss if I didn't mention that you have a huge Instagram following, like more than 250 K followers, right? It's Around there. I forget the exact number. Yeah, I have to go look. (laughs) So can you talk a little bit about how you built that up and what it takes to maintain that follower base? Yeah, so I've been in content. It's been 12 years, I think. 12, almost 12 years. Actually, before Instagram, I was, I used to Tumblr blog and then I WordPress blogged and I would blog every day when I was in the like fashion personal style space. And so I really built my initial social presence around fashion and style and early days in Instagram, it was a personal account. And then I started promoting my blog on it. And at one point I had like a big influx from getting on the explore page, which years ago, the explore page like wasn't, you know, like now it's just curated. It's so like hyper curated per person, but the explore page used to be like 
a lot of people saw the same explore page. <laughs> so yeah. you would actually get a pretty big uplift of traction if you were on the explore page. That was like an early boost in the early years, but it's really just been a slow build because over the years I've done different media partnerships. I used to work with like GQ magazine, Details Magazine, Refinery29 on various, like with Details, I used to syndicate my blog posts and content with them and have done some activations with those other outlets. So there was a lot of just kind of events and, and opportunities over the years that it just kept kept growing. In terms of maintaining it, I definitely feel like there's been times where it plateaus and then I've had this shift from fashion to beauty and there's people that definitely stick and then there's people that drop off and then you get new people. I like where I'm at. I don't, I think like almost everyone's talking about micro-influencers and your engagements engagement so amazing as a a micro creator with a smaller account and it is true because after so long it's like you can't reply to all the dms and then people want you to reply and then you <laughs> might not reply to them all and then they drop off or they stay and it's I, I, and then the algorithm changes so it's definitely a lot of things to consider i think just sticking with it is simple advice but is truly what i've done because to be transparent i've had times where i'm like what am i doing and it feels plateaued and especially with so many outlets now there's tiktok and name all the major social channels but they are constantly evolving which is exciting because it means new opportunity but it also means there's one more plate in the air whenever instagram adds a new feature it's exciting because they normally prioritize boosting that feature whether it's like when carousels came out or when reels came out so if you're an early adopter within a new feature you can see a great uptick but that also just means that it gets one more plate in the air i think for now everything's definitely had and it has been for a while but shifting to video I still really do like photo content on Instagram. It's my Instagram's always been more on the aspirational side. My TikTok now is wild card. Like it's, I'm, I'm a lot more raw and less, uh, less posy. My, my Instagram still has a fashion spin to it, but in terms of maintaining it, I think to maintain Instagram now, you really have to be doing reels. I should frankly, up how many reels I do because I'm <laughs> a little picky on it. And there's a lot more video content that gets that gets posted on TikTok versus Instagram. But friends in this space as well all swear by posting reels all the time. And that's really how I think accounts nowadays are continuing to grow. There's so many creators now. It's you really have to you really have to be posting very frequently. So what do you think the future of beauty content looks like on social? Do you have a sense of what that might be in the next year, 18 months? I think because there are so many creators in general, the professional space also will continue to evolve. I think after getting my license, brand inter brand's interest in working with me definitely increased just because I have mm -hmm. credentials and have a formal license around speaking to skin and can physically touch and treat people's skin with facial services. Our dermatologists, especially on social, have continued to scale and get larger and larger 
the past few years. And I think they'll continue to do so because people love hearing that medical opinion. It's not medical advice on the internet, but hearing someone who has a medical degree being able to speak to specific skin concerns. So that's been very popular. And this is a biased opinion, but I do, I've seen more and more estheticians. I feel like the esthetician is the middle ground. We're not dermatologists, but we do know about a lot of skin conditions and we aren't diagnosing any of them, but in treatment room can help ease symptoms and make people feel more empowered and beautiful with various treatments. And I think estheticians historically try more products than a lot of derms. I know a few estheticians who are doing hybrid practice, doing educational content on the internet, and then obviously doing facial treatments. And a lot of them are starting to ramp up and do more and more content because they see a white space there. I love following estheticians. I love following you. It's like going back to your story of you're like, I wanted to be a derm, but I'm also like a creative, very energetic person. And it's like the perfect person to be educating us. Actually, you'd mentioned a speech. I know you've given some big speeches like at Women's Wear Daily. Like, how do you prep for those? What's that experience? Oh, I love public speaking. I think it's me telling myself, like, you have to fake it to yourself. So then you do it. I have been told I'm I'm pretty good at doing public engagements, but I definitely get major butterflies before everything, which I hope is just a sign that I care about it. But yeah, yeah, I think for any public speaking, you have to go into it just assuming they have no context as to who you are. Really be analytical of yourself, of how you're going to speak to the audience. At WWD, it's a very informed audience. But obviously, if that was a public event, not to beauty professionals, it'd be a little bit more broad. So I always like to just write out all my ideas and make sure that I'm not trying to speak to the wrong target audience when I bring up a certain point. But I do get the butterflies. I definitely get the butterflies. And I don't know if they'll ever go away. Yeah, no, I think you're so right. Like context is so key. And you can tell when you go to events and someone's speech is just canned and they give it to the same audience no matter what. We had on the podcast Amanda Hennessy, who's a public speaking coach. And she was she she's pro butterflies. She's like what you're saying. She's it means you care. It means you have energy and enthusiasm around the topic. I thought I listened to every episode, but I might have missed that one. So I'm definitely going back to make sure I listened to that one. Amanda's great. I bet you'll like her. Ian, this has been so much fun. We will link to your pod in the show notes. I think everyone should listen to it, anyone who's interested in beauty. And we'll, of course, link to your Instagram. Is there anywhere else folks could find you? I realize I've been sleeping on your TikTok. We can put that in there. I haven't followed you on TikTok. Oh my gosh, you're so... My managers have been on me for years to post more on TikTok. I've finally been doing it. It is a lift, but I'm getting there. Some new content releasing this year on that channel. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, Instagram and the podcast and TikTok are the three main channels or my website as well. So we'll put them all in the show notes and everyone check them out. And thank you so much. This was really fun. Thank you so much, Meredith. I absolutely love this podcast and was honored that you asked me to be on it. So thank you. Hey, content people. Do you mind if I call you that? If you like the show, there are a few ways you can stay in touch and support us. The first is you could subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. 
That way you won't miss an episode. The second is you could leave a five-star rating and a review. Those make a really big impact. I know they're kind of a pain and they take a little bit of time, but if you're feeling generous and you've been listening to the show, I'd appreciate it so much. And the third is you could sign up for the Content People newsletter. The link is in the show notes. We share news about the show and episodes. And I also write a lot about the intersection between work and creativity, which is kind of at the heart of so many of these Content People conversations. We also love feedback. If you want to request a guest or a topic, pitch yourself to be on the show, advertise with us, learn more about Medberry's social media, or otherwise just be in touch, shoot me an email. I would love to hear from you. It's meredith at medberryagency.com. That's M-E-D-B-U-R-Y agency.com. I will throw that in the show notes too. All right, till next time.